Welcome, everybody, to the first episode of the We Know Ball podcast. Um, my name is Brandon. I'm here with Isaac and Arian, my co-host. Um, today, we have Twitter user ThunderChats. His name is Dylan. Um, today, we're just going to talk about what happened tonight at the Suns Thunder game. Um, Isaac, you can go ahead and take it away. So my first initial thoughts with this game that, I, that I'm sure we all noticed in the first quarter was the defense from the Suns. Uh, they forced nine yeah. turnovers in the first quarter, in the first quarter. Um, and I'm sure that was a combination of poor passing on OKC's part and good defense on the Suns' part. I'm sure it was a mix of both as, you know, the Thunder are a young team prone to mistakes. Um, but that's the biggest thing that I think contributed to the Suns' early lead is those turnovers because, as we all know, the Suns couldn't hit a shot to save their life in the first quarter for most of the game, really. So the Suns' defense is really uh, – the thing I wanted to call attention to first here. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, my God. You go ahead, Aaron. Go ahead. Right. Yeah, I was just saying uh, the main thing I noticed was the fast breaks. Like, we had a ton of fast breaks in the first half. And then as we got, like, you know, more into the game, it started to get – it was less and less. Uh, and our defense started getting a little shaky. Yeah, I think in the – I'm surprised today was T-Book had, what, five, five steals? Six. So yeah, he ended up with six on, on the night. Yeah. Yeah, um, that led to, especially with Mikel Bridges, when he kept leaking out, um, he he had a lot of fast break points tonight where he would just get the easy layups. Yeah. That surprised me a lot. Yeah, Dylan, do you think, uh, from your analysis, do you think a majority of those turnovers in the first quarter were caused by the Suns, or just was it just OKC giving lazy passes? Because I know there was one pass in the first quarter where Giddy kind of just – threw it straight at Aiton's chest. Yeah. The Suns got the steal. So uh, what did, what were your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, you know, I, you know, it's different with Giddy more so than Shea. You know, Giddy, like, he he's a really good passer, like, for his age. And so there's some passes that he thinks he can make and he really can't. Um, so that, that was probably part of it early on in terms of Shea, you know, he hasn't played a game since January 28th. Like this is his first game back. So I think a lot of that was just kind of shaking off the rest and, you know, trying to find a rhythm. Uh, I, I know you guys caught him a couple times in the first quarter. Um, you know, he was kind of going, you know, he, he, he picked up his dribble and went up without really having a plan and tried to flip it back out. And you guys, you know, you guys were ready and, you know, that initiated the fast break, but yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's a little bit of, you know, on them, but, I mean, that's not to discredit you guys. I mean, you guys are, like, a phenomenal defensive team. You guys were in the finals last year. Like, I mean, yeah, you guys are pretty good at this basketball thing. So, I mean, yeah, it, it was a little bit of both of them. Yeah, so, is that, is that something normal to see from Shea with, like, six turnovers? Because I don't watch many Thunder games. So, is he someone – Not I don't want to say, like, Russell Westbrook, where, you know, constantly seven, eight turnovers a night, but – just as being the main ball handler, is he is he someone who generates a lot of turnovers, or is just just shaking off rust? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it, it was definitely um, you know just more shaking off rust. I mean, you know, Shea's not a perfect player. Like you know, he's going to turn the ball over, but like he's, I think on the season he's averaging like two and a half, three. Like I don't have it in front of me, but you know, just off the top of the head. But a lot of that also is like. You know, last year he was the guy, like he was the main ball handler. This year we bring in Josh Giddy, a guy who, you know, needs the ball to be effective. So they're both kind of trying to learn how to play off of each other. And 
some games, you know, it like in spots tonight, like, you know, it works flawlessly. Um, but other times, as we saw very early on, like, you know, they start trying to um, play your turn, my turn kind of thing. And they end up, you know, forcing passes, forcing yeah. shots and it doesn't work out. But no, I, I, w- I would say this isn't indicative of how Shea normally plays. You know, he's not a guy that's going to go out there and get 10 assists every night, but um, he is a good playmaker in his own right. Yeah, and Shea is averaging 2.4 turnovers this season, so you were right on the money there. Man, that's off the dome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so, so one thing I do have to say about OKC, and it's the same The same thing goes for um, Houston and really most of these young teams that are towards the bottom of the standings is, I mean, they just don't give up. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially Shea, man. Like some of the shots I saw him make around the rim in this yeah. game, against Aiton, holy crap like yeah his difficult shot making is like insane yeah man that's that's his bread and butter like you know um uh very early on like that was that you know that was just his go-to like he can get to the rim pretty much at will and finish over anybody you know he he's definitely bothered by length and early on uh you could tell Aiton was you know, kind of in the back of his mind. Um, but as he got comfortable, like I said, he was, you know, shaking off that rust a little bit. Um, he was able to get to his spots and, you know, c- you know, kind of impose his will getting to the paint. Yeah, I mean, he's, he, you know, he's able to finish both hands off of either foot, uh, you know, has these spin moves, reverse, like the scoop is like his patented layup. Like he's, he's got a ridiculous finishing package. And, you know, he only shot one of five from three tonight, which, you know, he's, his three-point shooting is down this year. I think he's around like 29, 30%, but he was shooting 40, I think 42% last year. So mm-hmm. he's a better three-point shooter than what he's shown this year. And even a couple of his shots tonight, like they were in and out. Like he very easily could have shot three of five from deep instead of one of five. And um, obviously we probably wouldn't have, won, wouldn't have won the game, but he would have had a lot better, <laughs> a lot yeah. better uh, stat sheet there. But yeah, no, nah, um, he, he's phenomenal getting to the getting to the basket. And there was a couple times I thought he was going to be blocked too, like that uh, that hezzy that he had um, on Aiton, and he just you know scooped it up with just enough time on his left, uh, right past Aiton's hands, and you know yeah, got, got it in the bucket. That's exactly the one I was picturing. When yeah, I said that. Um, how is Shea as a defender? I'm just curious. I also don't watch a lot of OKC, so. Yeah, no, nah, a lot of people do besides OKC fans right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, nah, for sure. Hey, we're picking up a little bit, you know, we got some fun young guys, but now nah, I, you know, coming into the league, Shea was a guy that was kind of looked at as a guy that had defensive potential, and you know, he still does. You know, he's a long athletic guard, you know, he, he's gotten a lot bigger since he's been in the league, he's got some good lateral quickness, but he's got so much of a burden offensively. Um, he's not gonna, you know, go 100% like balls to the wall on defense. And he's to his credit this year, he's looked a lot more engaged on ball, specifically off ball. He's still, you know, he still goes to sleep on cutters and shooters in the corners, like Cam Johnson in the fourth quarter, for whatever reason. You know, we didn't read the scouting report and decided to just leave him open in the corners, you know, (laughs) whatever, it's all good, but um. As a help side defender, he's he's gotten a lot better, um, you know, blocking some shots. Um, like the very first play of the game, you know, breaking up that alley-oop to Aiton, um, you know, that's not like 
that's characteristically not something that Shea would do, but, you know, coming in help side to, you know, kind of help ward off a, a shot around the basket is, you know, that is something he would do. So I would say, you know, he's not a great defender, probably not even a good defender. He's average to maybe a little bit above average, but he's got a lot of room to grow. Yeah, that makes sense. That's how uh, Devin Booker was very at the, about the same point in his career. Yeah. Devin Booker didn't really pick up defensively until, I mean, really this season. Last season he was uh, better for sure, but I wouldn't necessarily even call him a good defender last year. But this season is when he really took it up a notch. Yeah, I really, think that's where that narrative came from with Book having no no defense type of thing, where the whole that whole narrative came from. Um, I think that's just a lot of stuff from early on, early on in his career. And, and, you know, honestly, like if you think about it, you know, you talk about how he started that transition last year and, you know, you've seen even more this year, you know, you, you take the ball out of Booker's hands more when you get somebody like Chris Paul there to initiate the offense and, you know, get shots for him, it takes more of a burden off of Booker offensively. So he's able to, you know, give more of himself to the game defensively. So, you know, hey, maybe that's a roadmap for Shea to follow, you know, as uh, Giddy becomes more accustomed to uh, kind of being the on-ball guy because we've seen Shea be able to do on-ball, off-ball. So it's more likely that, you know, and we even saw like early on tonight that uh, Giddy was getting a lot of work on-ball and Shea was trying to work off-ball and they're still trying to learn how to play with each other. But, yeah, so hopefully that's a blueprint, man, so Shea can become, a, you know, a, a Booker-level defender at least. <laughs> Yeah, uh, to tie and uh, take this back to the actual game here, uh, in the second quarter, the Suns played a lineup of Aaron Holiday, Landry Shamit, Cameron Johnson, Torrey Craig, and JaVel McGee, and it was awful. <laughs> it was horrible. Um, Dylan, I was wondering if you could just uh, talk about that a bit and tell us how was OKC able to take such advantage of that lineup that you saw? Man, I don't I, – I can't really say how we took advantage of that certain lineup. It's just, you know, we have a guy that is is just an odd basketball player in Alexi Pokashevsky. Oh, um, yeah. You know, you love him or you hate him, but tonight he was he was making a lot of Poku plays, but they were they were going in his favor. Like that one where he came he came down on the fast break. Uh I I think it was Bridges that was contesting him and Instead of going up for a normal layup, he kind of like lobbed it off the backboard and then got the rebound and scored off of it. Like it, it looked awkward, but it worked. And um, another one, uh, one of the players missed a shot and Pokey came in and finished it off of a tip slam. I know later in the game, he, he got that flush off Trey Mans behind the back. And really, like the team was Poku. Like, so whenever he does something, it really energizes the guys. Um, so, I would say him and Trey Mann, uh, their play in the second quarter really is what kind of sparked the comeback because I, I remember looking around halftime, you guys had a lead of up to 19 points uh, in the first half, and we was able to cut that down to, I think, three at halftime, and we had 14 turnovers. We were shooting like 8% from three. So, yeah, it, it was wild, man. Yeah, something I wanted to say about that lineup that we had uh, on the court was just, like, there's just no flow on the offense whatsoever. Yeah. Like, yeah, a lot of times they're just, like, give it to JaVale. And, like, you know, he does his little hook shot. Or, like, you know, Landry Shamo will just break a three. There was just no – there was no flow whatsoever. 
was that around the time that JaVale was trying to play make a little bit? I saw he was like at the top of the key. Yeah. And he had no pass and he, he tries to like start, he starts dribbling like a playmaker and tries to do a spin yeah. move and loses the ball. Was that, was that? That the- was, that was towards the end. That was more in the fourth quarter, I think, before the Suns went on their little clutch time run. Cause yeah, I think that was, was like, why are you dribbling the ball right now at the top of the key? Yeah, that play, I think, was the final straw of Monty just being like, all right, we're done with this. Put the starters in. One thing I wanted to ask about that impressed me with Trey Mann tonight, he seemed like he was really good at finishing through contact, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think second quarter, he he drove in on, on DeAndre Aiden and had, like, that scoop layup. Um, I'm looking at the box score now. Um, how is he as a shooter? Because um, – Tonight, his three-point shot wasn't hitting, but um, he looks like he has a lot of potential in this league. Yeah, no, he's he's got a lot of potential as a, as a three-point shooter specifically. Um, he, you know, if you go to his basketball reference page, like it's not indicative of, you know, the type of player that he is. He got started really, uh, really slow um, in terms of, you know, summer league, even preseason and early on in the regular season. Um, really just kind of develop into the speed of the game, the physicality, and, uh, you know, the distance of the three-point line. But, I mean, he's got such a smooth stroke. You know, I was talking before the pod about the space that he creates off his step backs. Like, he's a guy that can, you know, hit him off the catch, hit him off the off the dribble, step backs. Like, he's he's got a nice bag to him offensively. And, you know, he's he's sneaky athletic for his size. Like he doesn't, he might not look it, but he's, he's listed at six, five. And, but wow. you know, he, yeah, yeah, I know. Right. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> I, he looks more like six, three out there, but yeah, he's listed at six, five. Um, but like he's, you know, he's more athletic than he looks and he's, he's stronger than he looks like, you know, his finishing around the basket. Um, he's got really nice touch um, that layup like high off the glass. That it's like his trademark, you know, because you know, you get a big man come in there against a little guy, you know, he thinks he's about to eat that shot and he's, you know, just sneak it high off the glass. That's, that's what he goes to. But now nah, his, uh, his shooting. Yeah. He's got a lot of potential there. He's got a nice stroke. Um, I think uh, his 30 point game against the Knicks, he shot four of seven from three. So, you know, that's kind of a glimpse into, you know, what that could look like. Yeah. Speaking of uh, big men, uh, one player I want to talk about tonight is uh, DeAndre Ayton. Uh, yeah. Just what do we think, guys? Because he had a very – I think he was very solid defensively tonight. He had a great defensive game for the most part. I mean, Shea had that one – like, I mean, Shea was driving on him, but that's Shea. I, like, I don't know what you're right. supposed to do about that. That's going to happen. But offensively, it seemed – I mean, Aiden only t- took four shots in the first half, and it just seemed like he couldn't hold on to the ball all night. So – First of all, I'll, I'll hear from uh, Brandon and Arian first. Uh, what do you guys think is up with that? And do you guys think that's a point of concern for the rest of the season? Um, so, yeah, what I noticed is, like, when they throw bounce passes to him specifically, he's just, he just can't get it. Like, they always roll off his hands. I don't think it's a point of concern right now because it, we haven't seen it happen too much. But today, yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. Um, I don't think it's a concern. Um, I know, I remember his first two or three years in the league, especially when Chris Paul first came. And, um, a lot of the times it seemed uh, back then, at least it seemed like he wasn't expecting the pass, um, which would cause him to like bobble the ball a lot. So, um, 
I don't, I, we, we've seen it from him a little bit. Um, I, j- I don't think it's going to be a problem. We've seen what he can do. So I, th- I think I, maybe he didn't have a bad game. He rebounded the ball good. Um, yeah, I, d- I don't think it's a problem. It's something to be concerned about in the future if it continues to happen. But right now, I don't think, I think it's just, you know, Chris Paul's not there. I think their buddy, he, Chris Paul definitely elevates his game a lot. Um, so I don't think it's a point of concern right now. I think he was trying to play a little bit too fast. Maybe like if you notice like on fast breaks, he would just like, he would just drop the ball. I think he's going a little bit too fast trying to put the ball up, which, yeah, I think it's, I think it's easily like uh, fixable, not a point of concern right now. Uh, Dylan, to get your OKC perspective, what, what do you think of, of Aiden? Uh, I love Aiden as a player. Like, you know, the the steps that he's made defensively over the past couple of seasons has been, you know, remarkable. I mean, the dude's built like a truck. Um, I, I I think that, you know, Chris Paul really helps kind of unlock his uh, potential of what he can do offensively. Uh, that being said, like tonight, you know, I'm just, you know, I was looking back at the box score and I kind of had a double take. Like, he only took five shots in the game. And, you know, if there's like the Thunder – you know, if you want to call it tanking, rebuilding, whatever, like that's the stage we're in. But, you know, everybody talks about how players don't tank, coaches don't tank. Like, you know, it's an organizational thing. Well, this organization has built this Thunder team without a reliable option at the big position. Like we started Derek Favors and coming off the bench was Isaiah Roby. Like those those aren't like, you know, solid options for NBA players at the big position. So, you know, that being said, I don't see how that, you know, I mean, you guys did fine. You won by 20 points. So, I mean, you, you was fine either way. But I don't see how you all didn't exploit that matchup more than you did because, I don't know, I, I felt like Aiden shot the ball more than five times. Like, you know, just just kind of double take and look at the box score. But, yeah, I mean, if I was y'all, I would, uh, I would have liked to, you know, see him get a couple more shots, honestly. Yeah, that was a gripe that I had with tonight as well. And I noticed it being pointed out by – a jazz fan pointed it out to me on Twitter tonight. <laughs> so, I mean, that's uh, that's how you know that it's something the Suns really need to get better at, especially in these matchups where, like you said, OKC doesn't really have a competent big man necessarily, mm-hmm. defensively anyway. I know – I don't know how – like, I know how you feel about Poku. I, I, is he a big? No, he's not a big. Yeah, no, we, we play him like a wing. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, yeah, against a team like OKC uh, where – they don't really have a defensive or a big in general is like, it's really Mm -hmm. disappointing that one, the the team didn't look to feed him more and two that with his opportunities that he was given, he was a little bit underwhelming in my opinion. I I think that probably has something to do with Cam Johnson and Mikel Bridges stepping up a lot more this season than they did last season. Um, Cause last season um, they weren't, we knew Mikel Bridges was good around the rim and he could shoot, but he was not scoring at the volume he is this year. Same with, same with Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson will have these streaks of 15 to 22 points per game or something like that. Like um, I think it's a good thing um, that we don't need Aiton to take all these shots that we don't need him to just bully around the rim. Um, now that we have more people who can take that load um, off of Deandre Aiton, D book and Chris Paul. That's a good point. Uh, so the second half of this game, uh, 
the third quarter, the Suns sort of pulled away a little bit. Uh, the Suns held a five to ten ish lead, I feel like, for most of the second half. Uh, and then in the fourth quarter, they really, you know, they did the fourth quarter Suns thing and they pulled away. Uh, so we don't really need to talk about that too much unless you guys have something specific from the second half you wanted to talk about. No, I think it was just normal, normal Suns-esque that they usually do. This fourth quarter, they just start taking, going off, taking away. It seems like sometimes they toy around until the fourth quarter. Yeah, one Definitely. thing I said earlier was uh, Cam Johnson. It was, it was really cool in the fourth quarter to see him just knock down every single shot. And he was always seemed to be open. Yeah, it was really cool to see my team just, uh, you know, choose to leave him open in the corners multiple times. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's transition. Uh, let's start talking about who everyone's uh, player of the game was. So, uh, Dylan, why don't you kick us off with that? Uh, well, you know, obviously a little biased here. I'm a Thunder fan and, you know, this is my guy, but I, I, I got to go with Shea. You know, I'm, I know somebody's going to talk about Booker, so I'll let you guys have that. Um, but he had uh, 30, 32 points, five assists, and uh, his, his true shooting percentage was 64.94. Like, you know, that's that's really good true shooting. Um, he ended up shooting 30, 13 to 22 from the field. Uh, he had five or six from the stripe. And like I said earlier, you know, just like his first game back uh, since January 28th, you know, obviously he had a little rest there. I think he had six turnovers on the night. Um, so, you know, he had a little rest to shake off there. And, you know, his three-point shots all didn't fall like, you know, they have in the past. So there was there was even more points to have out there. But, um, you know, A, it was just fun to see him back on the court and B, you know, just just watching him kind of get to the rim at will after, you know, his rough first quarter and kind of take over the game, um, you know, like uh, late in the second and, you know, there in the third quarter there before you guys really turned it on in the fourth. Um, yeah, man, I, I, I just got to go with Shea. I, I really enjoyed what I saw from him tonight. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about Devin Booker, of course, a little bit. Uh, you know, he had another astounding game. Uh, but first, I'm going to call attention to some of the more unsung heroes. My player of the game was uh, Aaron Holiday. Aaron Holiday, uh, tonight, he had 12 points, two rebounds, five assists, five of five from the field, including two of two from three. He didn't miss a shot all game. Mm -hmm. And he also had a steal. And a plus minus, a team high plus, sorry, the third highest uh, plus minus on the team of 16 behind Booker and Mikel Bridges. Aaron Holiday is someone that the Suns traded cash considerations for. I believe he came from he came from Washington, right? Yeah. 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 We we traded cash considerations for Aaron Holiday, someone who in four games already took Alfred Payton's think backup uh, point guard spot, which isn't saying much, granted, but uh for him to be like the spark of energy that he's been in, I think especially in those times where the point book offense kind of faltered a little bit. I was really impressed with how he was able to come in and for someone who doesn't really have a lot of experience and plays a little erratically sometimes, I was super impressed with how calm he played. He hits that floater he hit in like, I think it was the second quarter was, I mean, he always hits crazy floaters. That pass to Mikel in the, in the second half, like he has his turnovers where like, it can be avoided, but 
that comes with experience and overall Aaron holiday, man, like it's hard to find anything that he did wrong tonight. What do you think we're going to do when Chris Paul and um, Cameron Payne come back with that? Do you think we'll probably split up the minutes between him and Shamit, or do you think him and Payne will split minutes? Well, I think it kicked out the rotation completely, which I don't Um, know. Well, by the time Payne and Chris Paul get back, I won't even be surprised if Alfred Payton is not on the roster anymore. Yeah. Um, I would. You guys know how I feel about Shamit. I'm <laughs> sure we all. I'm sure we all feel <laughs> the same way about Shamit. Yeah. Very streaky. That's my only problem with him. It's just streaky. Yeah. Except his only streak was just his only streak was here is just missing. <laughs> yeah. um, I would like to see Aaron Holiday take Shamit's minutes. The only. Uh, question there is his size he's only six foot yeah um but i can definitely see him throughout the season uh, even with chris paul i could definitely see him uh working in with a book and the starters because that i mean it went really well tonight when he did that yeah mm-hmm. and uh unless shamit starts hitting shots dude like aaron holiday is going to take those minutes regardless of his height if shamit's just not getting it done yeah I'll go ahead and go with my player of the game tonight. I'm going to go with Cam Johnson just to – we all know Book played good, but just to switch it up and give some light to other people. Um, he ended with 21, 21-5-4. Um, sometimes throughout the season I've noticed Cam can be streaky too. Um, he'll go like some, like tonight. Shot, he shot eight threes. He made four of them. Um but there's also a lot of times where he just sometimes cannot hit a shot some games. Um, and those games are usually the ones we lose. Like, I think when we played the Hawks, I don't think he made a three. If he did, he probably made a one. But that was a game we all shot terribly, and the Hawks wanted to shoot 50% from three. Um, I'm really impressed with just how much he's growing as a player um, since we drafted him because nobody nobody thought he'd turn into the player he is. Um a lot of people thought we reached in that draft. Um, and it's looking like it paid out a lot. Going back to it. Yeah, that was the game we just did not shoot good. So, yeah, I'm going to say Cam Johnson. Okay. So, my player of the game, also I would say uh, Booker obviously played really well. Uh, I would have Mikhail Bridges tonight. Uh, he had he was shot – he had 21, 4, and 5. He shot 10 for 17. Um, he did not shoot well from three today. But just this, he's been on a little bit of a streak, like, last 10, 15 games. He's averaging, like, 20 points per game almost on, like, 60% shooting. Um, him, like, his defense, he was everywhere on defense uh, once again. And uh, I really liked how he was getting out in transition a lot. He was always, the, like, first one down there. He made a ton of layups. Mm-hmm. Uh, his mid-range shot was falling. Um, yeah, he was all around. I think he played a really good game. Yeah, to kind of build on that, Um it really encouraged me, and you just said it, he took 17 shots tonight. It really encouraged me, and he I know he didn't shoot well from three tonight. I don't think he made a three, did he? Uh, he was one for five. Oh, he did make one. But, I mean, one to five, obviously not good. But I, I personally was encouraged by, one, uh, his willingness to take those shots. I think that shows massive growth from him, and I think if he starts knocking down those shots, it could mean tremendous things for the Suns team. 
but also, I mean, you just have to highlight his ability to run in transition. Like it's, it's ridiculous. He had like four or five transition layups, like in the first quarter. Yep. He was always like, just, they would just chuck it down the court and he's the first one there. Easy layup every time. And of course, Devin Booker, I mean, 25 points, 12 assists, six steals. Uh, I mean, what else, what is there to say? He's, he's Devin Booker. Uh, yeah. There's nothing really, there's nothing more to say there really. He's just, Point book. He had I knew, an amazing I game. knew with Chris Paul being out that he would have to play make a lot more, but I was not expecting 12 assists tonight. And, and he could have had more. Had, yeah, 16 or 17 if people were hitting like other open shots. Yeah. So uh, one thing I want to touch on with Mikhail Bridges real quick before we stop. Um, I'm I don't think it's a concern, and I don't think I'm not concerned about it, but the last three or four games, his three-point shot has not been that good, but he's still putting up. 20 plus points a game he's got just, Devin Booker syndrome yeah and it just shows like if he does hit those shots he can be up to 26 to 28 points a game just with hitting those few th- extra threes a game I just love his confidence in the mid-range recently like this season basically he's been taking a lot more and he's been yeah, hitting a little turnaround mid-range that he usually takes yep. yeah Dylan I do have a question for you regarding Devin Booker and uh, Chris Paul. Did you, when you learned that Chris Paul was going to be out for two months, did you, was your initial thought that the Suns were going to struggle? Did you think they were going to be average or do you think they would somehow be better without Chris Paul? I didn't think y'all would be better. I, I didn't think there'd be too much of a drop off. I know uh, the year before um, Chris Paul went out and Booker was, you know, kind of playing point guard, like he, he, he kind of found his, uh, you know, I, I guess lack of a better term, his niche um, in terms of like, you know, becoming a playmaker and, you know, kind of being point book. And, uh, you know, I, I love Booker. Booker is one of my favorite players in the league. You know, like I told you guys, I'm a huge UK fan. So I, I was on Booker very early on. I I really would have loved to see him with Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant team, the Thunder. But sadly, we've got campaign who you guys also have now. So congratulations on, on that draft hall. But no, I uh, I didn't think y'all drop off too much because I mean, hey, you guys have you know such a such a lead on everybody else in the West right now, um, but B like you know Booker is a phenomenal player. He's a guy that can do on ball, off ball, um, you know, kind of the scoring role or the distributor role, um, and you know I, you know we, we've seen him do it both ways. Uh, what I would like to see a little bit more, you know. And you guys have time, you know, with Chris Ball being out so long, is I'd like to see y'all run some more pick and roll with him and Aiton because, you know, I know, you know, Chris Paul, like that's his bread and butter, like, you know, getting to the pick and roll. And, uh, you know, that's that's really probably why Aiton has succeeded so much in playing with Chris Paul. So um, I know they did a little bit of that before Chris Paul got there, but I, I didn't see a lot of it tonight. So, you know, we was talking about how, like to see more shots for eight and you know i think that's a way to you know get in some easy buckets so but yeah i mean overall man like you know like i said you guys are one of the best teams in the nba like i wouldn't be shocked if it was you and milwaukee in the finals again um so yeah that's what i gotta say about that i think with that point book coming i think that has a lot to do with trusting your team his teammates now i think it was really hard for him to be able to trust his teammates to make the shot before when we were winning 10 games a season, I think it was really hard for him to trust the trust his teammates, um, which is probably why we didn't see a lot of point book before. Yeah, that's a good point. 
-hmm. So uh, to kind of transition to our next segment here, we we're going to talk about maybe not necessarily the worst player because I think all of ours is Shamit. <laughs> yes. uh, so right. maybe maybe instead of talking about the worst player, we talk about a player who we would have liked to see more from in this game. And uh, Dylan, we can start with you. Oh, okay. Um, I'm gonna go Darius Baisley um, on the Thunder. You know, a lot of a lot of people don't know about Baisley, but um, he was a guy we drafted a couple years ago. I think in the 2020 draft, uh, he was a rookie in the Chris Paul team. He did great in the playoffs, you know, as a rookie, you know, being a solid role player. I think he shot like 40% from three, not in a lot of attempts, not in a lot of minutes, but still like he looked like a guy that could be a legitimate three and D guy. And then, you know, the next year came around when, you know, it was Shea's team and basically you regressed a little bit. And even going into this year, it seemed like he was regressing even more and so much so that we benched him. And then when we benched him, that lit a fire under me, started playing really well. Um, I think uh, in that next game I was talking about earlier where Trey Mann put up 30, Giddy put up a triple-double, like Baisley had 20-something points on really efficient shooting as well, uh, playing really good defense. But, you know, tonight he had two points, six rebounds, one assist, one block, two turnovers, one of four shooting, and 0 of three from deep. Uh, I just – I would like to see more from him. You know, he he still, you know, was active defensively. I, you know, he was guarding Booker early in the game. And, you know, obviously Booker got his, so he, he didn't make that big of an impact defensively. And it felt like he was just kind of, you know, on the cardio team offensively. So, I, yeah, I, I'd like to see more out of Baisley going forward. Yeah, and to kind of build that, I – seen a lot of mixed opinions of Darius Baisley on Twitter. A lot of Thunder mm -hmm. fans hate him and a lot of Thunder fans love him. So where do you stand on that? And uh, is the hate justified? I I think the hate is more disappointment than hate. And, and a lot of it, you know, stems from like his early season struggles. You know, he, he fell out of good graces with the fans very early on the season. But, you know, like I said, like, when I say like it lit a fire under him when he went on the bench, like, like that, like I can't, I can't like under overstate that because he was he started playing harder defensively, he started, um, you know, limiting, you know, the bad shots selection that he had. Uh, he stopped trying to, you know, be the lead playmaker. Started deferring more to Shea Giddy, Trey Mann, even Dort. Um, you know, he started deferring more to those guys and really just started to kind of play his role and if Basil was going to make it in this league if Basil was going to make it on the Thunder um, he's going to have to be a role player and I feel like it took a while to get that through his head and uh, tonight it, it might have went to his head a little bit too much because he wasn't even you know a, uh, a contributing role player he was just kind of a guy that was out there but I, I don't love I don't hate Basley I don't love Basley um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's on our team when you know you know, hopefully the the tank is over and we're like we're in position to start competing again. Um, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he's not on our team when we, you know, we choose to go in a separate direction. We choose to, you know, give those minutes to Poku and his development. So yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised either way. But I don't ever hate him. You know, he's just kind of there and he was playing really good and he kind of regressed a little bit. So I need more from him. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. 
Uh, a player I think I would have liked to see more from tonight was Tory Craig. That's exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, Tory Craig, for the most part, is a fairly inconsequential player for regular season games. It doesn't really matter necessarily what he does or doesn't do. Mm-hmm. But this more of an extended uh, concern. I feel like we haven't really seen a whole lot from Tory Craig in general, at least not as much as we saw when we traded for him last season. So Tory Craig, I mean, he only had he had three points tonight. Went one of five shooting. All five of his shots were from three. He did have four rebounds and two blocks. Uh, and, you know, Tory Craig, he's a defensive wing, so, you know, he'll bring the toughness and the, the defense. But mm-hmm. something I want to see more from Tory Craig is just, one is I hope he can learn how to cut from Mikel because – if Tory Craig can be giving us those Mikel cuts to the to the free throw line uh, from the bench unit, I think that would be a huge, just a huge development for the Suns that just gives them that extra element of like how do you stop this team, especially in the playoffs. Especially in the playoffs, and what I was going to get into that is we're Tory Craig needs is going to need to score more than three points uh, in most playoff games. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Tory Craig is someone who I was a little uh, disappointed with tonight. Do you think his minutes will go up in the playoffs? Uh, that depends. I mean, with Chris Paul coming back, I know last last playoffs, Torrey Craig was only seeing about 10 minutes a game, and he played 20 tonight. So uh, I don't really see him getting more than, like, 15 minutes in a game, in a playoff game personally, just because those, ro- those rotations for playoff games are so tight. Uh, for me, uh, I think it was probably JaVale. Um, just because he was, g- like, getting cooked on defense. And uh, I feel like on offense, he was he was c- trying to control the ball a little too much. And, uh, yeah, he had a lot – I mean, he had, he had a good stat line, I guess, but he had a, l- a lot of, like, bad plays that I feel like he could have obviously done better. Yeah, Javel is a Javel's an interesting case because uh, Brandon and Ari and you guys know, and and Dylan, I'm sure you've seen some of the Aiton discourse on Twitter about whether or not the Suns should give him a max contract. I personally mm-hmm. am of the opinion that uh, we should give him a max contract, and that's because. And I saw a tweet today from uh, you guys know RB right? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. He pointed out that. Um, what JaVel McGee did tonight, and maybe not to that extreme, but JaVel McGee is the quality of center who would be starting for us if we let Aiton walk. And I think that's something a lot of uh, NBA fans, or Suns fans at least, don't realize is because Chris Paul does make these centers look really good. And although we can get, like, when Chris Paul is playing, we can get, like, 85% of Aiton's production from uh, Javel and Biombo, uh, that fifteen percent that Aiden gives is like the most important part of basketball. Mm-hmm. Yep. So for me, Aiden is just yeah. I don't know. It's really frustrating with Javel because, and it's almost like you come to expect it with Javel. I'm He's going gonna... to very pissed if we don't re-sign him now, because I was on the boat of re-signing him. Um, but now if we don't, we get nothing back for him. 
or if we if we don't if we let him go, we get nothing back. I was I was saying if they're not going to resign him, then get something back. But trade deadline's gone now, so now we just lose him for nothing if we lose him. So yeah, if uh, if Aiden ends up walking this offseason, I think it's a this was a just a disastrous mishandling of assets from Jake yep. Jones and honestly Robert Sarver, but we don't need to get into Sarver today. Uh, Dylan, what do you think? Of, I mean, we already talked about Aiden a little bit, but do you think he's a max contract player? It's hard to say, man. Um, I, I think it kind of depends on the team. Like, I don't I, – I, it's hard to say if he's a max contract player in a vacuum. Like, for instance, if he was to walk in the offseason, like – and there's a lot of Thunder fans that would love to see us, you know, throw a max contract this way. Um, obviously, I don't think we can do that now since the Kimba trade. But, you know, going into the offseason – or last year, um, deep in the offseason, that was a thought that a lot of Thunder fans were saying. Um, you know, it, it just depends really on, like, you know, what kind of player he is because, you know, like I said, we've seen him make those steps defensively and we've seen, you know, in snapshots of, like, what he can do offensively. And, you know, when, when I think of a max guy, I think of a guy that, you know, is either like the guy on the team or a guy that's just like an absolute game changer defensively. Like, you know, thinking like Draymond Green or somebody like that. And yeah, or yeah, Rudy Gobert. Absolutely. So like, I don't think he really qualifies either way. Um, That's not to say, you know, he doesn't deserve to like, you know, get a big payday because I think he does. But like, you know, I, I think that the max contract is reserved for, you know, either a go-to guy offensively or, like, an absolute game-changer defensively, like a game record defensively. And I – based on what I've seen, I don't think I can say he's either one. That's not to say he can't become one. And, you know, like, you know, James Harden, for instance, you know, right, right here, I know all about it. Um, you know, that is a possibility. But, like, you know, based on what we've seen, it's, it's hard to – it's hard to say that. Um, I do want to ask you guys this, though. You know, you was talking about how – you know, Chris Paul made DeAndre Ayton better and how he makes these big men better. Um, you know, you guys recently moved on from Jalen Smith. Do you think – you know, and obviously, you know, Jalen Smith was kind of – you know, he's a guy that you guys didn't uh, extend your uh, qualifying offer to, uh, the rookie extension to. You guys didn't – you chose not to do the rookie extension. And obviously, he struggled the past couple seasons. Um, it, it felt like a missed draft pick, and he kind of had this, like, resurgence this season. Uh, do you feel like that's kind of the Chris Paul bump, or do you think that's something that might stick for him? Um, well, to me, Jalen Smith never really seemed like the right fit in Phoenix in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I, I think a lot of Suns fans were of the opinion that we should have drafted – Tyrese Halliburton. I know I was one of those people. Mm-hmm. I was, would have been a good pick. <laughs> it would have been a great pick. I was stunned when we didn't pick him, honestly. Yeah. Um, it doesn't surprise me either that – see, Jalen Smith is just someone that just needed minutes. And for a rookie on a team that's contending, it's just – unless you come out and are, are like, amazing immediately, it's just not going to work out. So ultimately, I mean, Chris Paul definitely contributed to his like 
resurgence this year, I think. And I think that has a big factor on how he's playing in Indiana. Now I haven't checked on him in a while, obviously because of the all-star break and all that, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't shock me at all that he's uh, thriving in Indiana. And I do think Chris Paul definitely has something to do with that. Uh, Cause we saw it earlier this season with the Suns when Aiden was out with injury and JaVale had COVID when our starting center, when our, when uh, Bismack Biombo was our starting center, Jalen Smith was playing amazing. So I think that just made it clear, not only to Suns fans, but the team itself, that Jalen Smith just didn't really have a place on this team and that it's, it would be better for both parties if he uh, were to thrive specifically on a young rebuilding team. Yeah, that's what I was uh, saying on Twitter once when he got uh, traded, was that um, uh, he's, he's a good – he has really good flashes where he shows that he, like, you know, he could be a good NBA player. But just like you said earlier, uh, he doesn't fit our timeline. He doesn't fit our team at all, really, because we can't have someone with just like just showing flashes on like a finals team, you know? Did you guys see that during the All-Star break, that video of Monty um, talking about that, talking about how um, they wanted to get Tyrese um, and he was supposed to be their guy and he was like, it just didn't happen. Um, yeah, I heard about that. I heard uh... – Halliburton was like lying about some of his injuries or something because he really wanted to go to Sacramento or something like that. And look, look where, look where it ended him up at. That's yeah. hilarious. So that's what I think that that was probably going to be our pick, but um, what can you do if a guy doesn't want to be there? You know what I mean? Draft mm-hmm. Devin Vassell. Yeah. I was thinking <laughs> we're going to get no, but yeah, Jalen Smith, it's really unfortunate that we couldn't make it work. It would have been awesome to have a second young stud behind Aiton, but unfortunately he just didn't show his flashes soon enough. Yep. I'm happy so, for him because uh, he can thrive in Indiana, get a lot of minutes over there. Something else uh, that I do want to talk about from this game really quickly is um, it is about Devin Booker. Um, just some of the passes he made tonight, man. I mean, you can you can clearly see the uh, the impression that Chris Paul has left on Devin Booker. Like some of the passes he was making, he had a pass to uh, Holiday in the second half. Where, I mean, I didn't even see Holiday standing there. <laughs> uh, so I just wanted to t- like just briefly mention, I was very very impressed with Booker's facilitating tonight. At times, I think uh, he kind of leaned into it too much uh, to a point where he it seemed like he stopped looking for his shot in the first half. But again, that's literally what Chris Paul does. Chris Paul doesn't shoot the ball until the fourth quarter. Yeah. I think that even even when Chris Paul is there, you'll see flashes of that. Um, him finding open guys that in the corner um, – that we didn't even see there. Um, and I, I definitely think that has something to do with Chris Paul being there and him learning from him. Um, because sometimes he'll make some incredible swing passes where he'll just bring his arm all the way out and just swing the ball across the other side of the court, like on the other corner um, to find the open man. I, I think it's, I definitely attribute that to Chris Paul. Yeah. Uh, Dylan, um, just kind of getting close to wrapping it up here. Uh, is there anything else you noticed from this game specifically that you wanted to mention? Um, 
I, I guess, you know, I, I would say Thunder-wise, you know, there's a lot of discourse about Shea and Giddy's fit together. Um, and, you know, that apparently post-game, uh, there was a lot of talk about that, how uh, the plan is to let Giddy play more on ball and work Shea off ball. And um, I, I I saw some real signs tonight, um, not only just them two, but also Trey Mann factoring him in because I, I do feel like, those three and Lou Dort, who didn't play tonight, uh, I think he hurt his face in the Knicks game. Um, I don't remember what it was. Uh, I just remember they said that he got hit in the face. Um, but, you know, those four are looking like our starting – not our starting backcourt, but like our backcourt for the future, you know, barring, you know, something crazy happened, happening. So, uh, I saw a lot of uh, encouraging signs about, you know, how those guys can work off of each other. Um, and, you know, hopefully that's something that they could really build off of. And, I mean, for Phoenix, man, I mean, like I said, man, I mean, I I can't sing y'all's praises enough. Obviously, you was, you was without Chris Paul, and I know how important he is to a team, um, you know, you know, as a culture, as a guy, you know, in, in the locker room and everything like that because, you know, just one season with the Thunder, you know, what he was able to do for us. So, um, I, I know what he could do for a team, but I, I think, you know, like, like we already said about Devin Booker stepping up, but, you know, Cam Johnson, Mike, you know, Michael Bridges, um, you know, those guys really stepped up as well. And, uh, I mean, Bridges specifically, he was killing us in transition um, there early in the game. And uh, I think that, you know, he's he's your all's X factor. I think him and Aiton are your X factor because, I mean, you know, Chris Paul and Booker are going to show up every night that they're healthy. They're going to give it their all. They're going to, you know, put up numbers and, you know, put pressure on the defense. But um, really what Aiton and Bridges can give you on a night-to-night basis, I think, is going to, uh, you know, make the difference in the playoffs. But, I mean, like I said, uh, I got you guys up there with, you know, the top teams in the West. Like, I would not be surprised to see y'all back at the finals. And uh, if y'all are in the finals, I'll, I'll more than likely be rooting for y'all because, you know, we got love for Chris Paul and I got love for Devin Booker. So, well, to hear that. We appreciate that. Um, they mentioned something I want to ask you about, Dylan, about OKC that they mentioned on the Suns broadcast tonight is that OKC owns 38 draft picks in the next four or five drafts or so. Oh, Lord. I don't even yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> I think they probably uh, lowered the amount of years just to make it sound a little better. He said 38 picks over the next four plus years. Um, there's, I know you don't have like insight on, you know, what the front office and Sam Presti is thinking, but there's no way OKC plans on using all 38 draft picks solely on drafting rookies. Is there? Yeah, no, I, you know, I would say like, if he was asking my opinion on what like the blueprint is, I think that, you know, we let the season play out as it is. You know, I'm not saying we're going to lose every game for the rest of the season, but, you know, we're we're going to be one of the worst four teams in the league record-wise, I believe. So, you know, we'll theoretically get a high high pick in this year's draft. And ideally you get somebody like, you know, you got those three big men. You know, we talked about earlier how I thought organizationally, you know, they have left us without a big man, like, and that's by design because we've got three guys at the top of the draft, Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith Jr., and Paolo Bencaro that could slide right in. So uh, I think that we try to get somebody like that. And from there, you know, it's 
it's been hard to tank. It was hard to tank last year with just Shea playing. Like, Shea only played 32 games last year – or 35 games, my bad. Um, and, you know, when he was playing, uh, I think we was, like – I think we was the nine seed at that point. Like, we was we was in, like, play in consideration. Um, you know, and it wasn't until he went and had his plantar fasciitis uh, there, like, right after the All-Star break that we really – like took our skid and started tanking. So it's going to be hard to tank with this team, especially as, as our rookies, uh, you know, really start to, you know, grow and mature as players alongside Shea and alongside Dort. Um, and then, you know, those other guys that we had. So I think that we might try to push for like the play-in or something like that next year. And I've, you know, talking about on my podcast and, you know, talking about with other Thunder fans, We've kind of highlighted the 2023 year. Uh, the 2023 offseason is, you know, kind of what we've got circled because, you know, you got guys like Victor Wimbanyama, Scoot Henderson, uh, potentially Shaden Sharp. You know, I, as a Kentucky fan, I just got to tell you guys, I don't think he's going to the draft this year based on everything I've heard and everything we've seen. Uh, I think he's going to be in the 2023 draft. So, you know, you got those three at the top of the draft. Uh, that's when Kimba comes off of our books. So we've got, you know, 20-something million uh, for uh, extra cap space. And, you know, like you said, man, we just got all these picks. And, you know, there's no way in God's green earth we're going to use all those picks on, you know, rookies to come into the league or come on, onto our team. So, um, you know, I, I've I've got a mantra that I picked up from uh, a rapper. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of him, Andy Minio, but he has a line that says, make moves or make excuses. And 2023, like, I think that's where – Presti's really going to have to show that he had a plan this entire time. Like there was a reason that, you know, we went through these tanking years and uh, I, I'm excited to see what happens. You know, maybe, you know, we go trade for, you know, like just saying a name, like Carl Anthony Towns, like that's my dream. You know, like I said, because I'm a huge Kentucky fan. He's a big man. He's one of the best, you know, b- shooting big men of all time. And I think his fit with Shea and Giddy would be amazing. So, you know, maybe you go and draft like a Jabari Smith Jr., then you trade for a cat the next year. And, you know, you've got a team with Shea, Jabari Smith Jr., Cat, Giddy, and, you know, all these other pieces. And then, you know, you're starting to work with something. And, you know, maybe you decide you need somebody else. Maybe you decide that, you know, the Shea and Giddy fit's not working. Well, you still got all these draft picks to go try to do something else with it. So, yeah, man. Yeah, that that's my that's my long answer for saying. Um, yeah, I think uh, 2023 is kind of the year to look at it. And I, you know, like you said, we're not going to make all those picks. Uh, and you know, if there's a guy that loves trading, it's Sam Presti. So yeah, I think it'll yeah. be pretty stupid as you majority any like more than five of those picks if they're they're not in the lottery, especially because mm-hmm. um, I think most of your picks are from what um, I'm gonna. Ex- the Nets. Um, so we got so we got a, a, a couple more Rockets picks. They're top four protected. Uh, we got a couple unprotected Clippers pick, and in, including this year, uh, we've got some like lightly protected. We got a lightly protected Wizards pick, lightly protected Pistons pick, and I, I think we got like a Nuggets pick sprinkled in there. We have your pick this year, so thank you for pick thirty. Appreciate that. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, we, we got we got picked from almost the whole league. <laughs> yeah, and I think you guys have a decent core right now to not need um, too many more assets. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think you guys should make a splash in the trade market eventually. Carlin and Towns would be perfect, actually, that, that you mentioned it. Yeah, that yeah. It, it's, it, you know, it's looking like, you know, I, I'm mad that they changed the ownership and everything in Minnesota because I was like, you know, that's that's it. That's the guy. And now it, it's looking like things are kind of on the uptick in Minnesota. So I, I don't know that that's something he'd even want to do. But, you know, that's that's kind of my pipe dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah cat and uh and shay sure certainly would be fun to watch uh before we kind of wrap this up i wanted to preview um the sun's next game which is tomorrow uh versus the new orleans pelicans uh with a brand new cj mccullum our first well our first look at him in a pelicans uniform this season uh i'll actually be at this game tomorrow night uh so i mean thoughts do we have are we worried about the pelicans i'm not particularly worried necessarily but you know any given day you know any given Uh, any given sunday in football you know like what are we looking at for this game i'm not too worried about it you know just the back-to-back it'll be tired people the players will be a little tired but i still think we'll be able to win that game I'm I'm not worried, but I think CJ McCollum is going to be a big X factor in this. Um, he's especially with Zion being out, they just have that new person that can come in and get you 20, 20 plus a night. Um, and they have, you know, I'm not sure if Ingram's. I know he was injured at one part in the season. I don't remember if he's back yet or not. But because I think last time we played them, Ingram wasn't. He didn't play that night. Yeah, I don't think so. He played their last game against the Mavericks. Okay. Uh, he didn't shoot well, but he played. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I think CJ McCollum is going to be an X factor in that game. Um, Josh Hart has been playing pretty good recently. Josh Hart is on the Blazers now. Yeah, he's on the Blazers now. Oh, yeah, it's my, my bad, my bad. But he has <laughs> been playing He has been playing very well. Yeah, I completely um, you're right about that. <laughs> so, I, I think that's what's – he's going to be the X factor in, in us because I, I can definitely see it being another one of those Hawks games where they just don't want to miss a shot. And now they have CJ McCollum. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I'm not too worried. I don't think we're, I don't think they pose a threat to us right now. Uh, New Orleans is a team back, that – Back to back, it could be – can be a little scary. New Orleans is a team that uh, I believe they're uh, the 11 or 12 seed right now, but they're a team where if they figure it out, they could very easily sneak into the play. And CJ McCollum – uh, I don't know how many play- games he's played with the Pelicans yet, but I mean, they played Dallas on their last game before uh, the break was Dallas, right? And he had 38 points mm-hmm. on yeah. 14 of on 14 of 26. So he he yeah, Book's gonna have his work cut out for him guarding CJ if it's him and not Mikel. Speaking of. What's the matchup there for the Suns? Is Mikel guarding Brandon Ingram or CJ McCollum? I would say Brandon Ingram, just because they're both lanky. I don't think anyone else on our team is going to be able to match that. Um, I think the Suns trust Booker enough to guard CJ. Yeah, especially with the leap he's took defensively this year. I don't think, mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to get completely exposed by CJ. Yeah, that's what I've noticed this season. The more they let him just guard the other team's best player, like sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so, Dylan, is there anything you wanted to talk about before we kind of wrap it up? Do you want to talk about OKC's next game? 
Uh, I mean, yeah, well, you know, we, we play back to back also. We play the Pacers. Um, oh, Jalen Smith. Yeah, Jalen Smith, uh, you know, Tyrese Halberton, the new Pacers legend. Um, and, you know, the Pacers are a team that I think they're right behind us in the reverse standings. So, you know, you guys are looking at the top of the standings. We're looking at the bottom of the standings. You know, we're a little bit different on that point there. But uh, so th- this game is important in the tank race. You know, obviously, Shea's back. Yeah, absolutely. That, that That's what we talk about, man. You know, we, we, we don't just, really care about wins and losses. We just want to look good out there. So I remember the tank race days. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. So, you know, I mean, Shavers Halliburton is going to be a good time. Um, and, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. I know uh, – I think I saw Karis LeVert's out for the next uh, one to two weeks with, like, a calf strain or something like that. So, they're going to be down to man. Um, it's unclear, you know, if Lou Dort or Kendrick Williams or any of our uh, any of our injured guys are going to play or not. But, uh, yeah, you know, on a back-to-back, uh, looks like Shea's good to go. Even though it was his first game back, uh, he's, he's going to play. So, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to watch. It's definitely one I'm going to keep an eye on to see mm-hmm. how Jalen Smith does. Yep. All right, well uh... – does anyone else have anything they want to talk about? No, I think I'm. I think that wraps us up. All right. Well, uh, Dylan Thunder Chats, thank you so much for coming on and being our very first guest. Uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, it was good talking to you guys. I'm always down to talk shop. Yeah, you. Uh, great conversation. I'm a. Mm-hmm. I'm from Seattle, so I have a bit of a mixed history with OKC, (laughs) but uh, Shea is really fun to watch, and I'm I'm really excited to hopefully see him in the playoffs sometime soon. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. We're we're hoping to get there, uh, you know, in the next couple of years, so. 2023. There we go. That's the year, man. That's the year. Circle that date. All right. uh, Thank you for listening to the We Know Ball podcast. Uh, thank you again to Dylan Thunder Chats for uh, coming on and talking with us. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Peace out.